This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Hmm. Well, I'm grateful. Always. So grateful. So grateful for the life I live now to have escaped from the constant sense of torment that I used to live within. I'm so grateful that I get to share from this place of discovery, this place of wholeness being revealed in my awareness. And so it's from this place that I speak this word of blessing and prayer for us. So let's place our hands on our heart and tune in here, not casually, but truly, wholeheartedly, not paying lip service, but heart service, that we are opening our hearts and minds to an awareness of God's presence as our very life, that the gifts of God are ours today and we are willing to claim them. We are willing to know and to remember and recognize that the gifts of God are what we are entitled to. So we are worthy of the wisdom, the clarity, the beauty the creativity, the magnificence, the prosperity and abundance, the joy and the freedom that have already been given to us. What I know is that Spirit has already given us everything. And so we are choosing to make good use of it and to share the benefits with our brothers and sisters everywhere. We are grateful to open ourselves to unprecedented, unlimited expansion, And we are grateful to let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 My name is Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles. I'm so grateful for the healing that I have experienced as a result of working with these teachings. Uh, You may know that I'm also a Science of Mind trained practitioner, prayer practitioner, and minister. So I've been a spiritual counselor since the year 2000, and I am so grateful that prayer works and that spiritual healing is available to us. Today, I'm talking about the release from fear. And in chapter two of the text, section four is entitled 
healing as release from fear. And certainly release from fear is healing. Healing is release from fear. No question about that. Let's look here and see what we can learn about healing and the release from fear. Because we're interested in both, aren't we? I know we are. (laughs) So it begins with our emphasis is now on healing. The miracle is the means. The atonement is the principle. And healing is the result. All right, let's just talk about those three things. So this is early. Remember, this is chapter two. Early in the text, Jesus is establishing um, the, the language, the definitions, the terms. And so this is helpful to us in understanding A Course in Miracles. It's Uh, Not surprising that people can study A Course in Miracles for a very long time and still be confused about some of the things. Uh, Jesus seems to make up his own terms and definitions sometimes, and that can lead to confusion. So let's be clear here. The miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and healing is the result. So let's start with the atonement is the principle. Atonement, as defined by Jesus in the Course, is the, or accepting the atonement, is accepting that there is no separation. So the atonement is the unity of all life. This is the principle, that there's only one, that we're all united. And so accepting that 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 truth heals all the fear because all the fear is based in a belief of separation. So now the miracle is the means of the healing. Miracle is the means. And the miracle is when we change our mind from thinking ego thought to God thought. So from thinking false beliefs to what is true. So emphasis is now on healing. The miracle is the means of healing. So changing our thought system from ego thought system to spirit thoughts from false to true, that is the means of miracle-mindedness. Our willingness to surrender our attachments to the false, and to accept what is true. That's the miracle. That's the healing. And the principle is oneness of all life. So everything that's false is a byproduct of belief in separation. Pretty simple. So Jesus makes it more challenging to break it down and understand it, uh, I surmise, so that we look deeply and closely at it and don't just read simple statements uh, like, I've given everything all the meaning that it has for me and think, oh, I understand that, and then move on when, in fact, 
we comprehend what the words mean, but we don't comprehend the application that it has for our life. Because we still think that our sister uh, is holding something against us and that she's doing something wrong. And just to make something up, you know, we still think that that politician should be punished. So if we think we understand, I've given everything all the meaning that it has for me, and yet we're still thinking that this politician should be punished for what they said, what they did, what they didn't do, things like that, then we're not really understanding the meaning of the words. We think we understand the meaning of them, but we're not understanding the application. So we comprehend the sentence, but not the application of it to our life. So if we'd like to have this healing and the release from fear, we need to go further and to truly understand how this is applicable in our life. And and that's why I say walking the talk, living the love. It's not just studying the course. It's walking the talk and living the love. And I've been hearing from folks who are in my programs echoing my my sentiments and my decision to go all in for God, all in for love, all in for spirit. And I'm just going to define that for a second, because when I say all in, meaning I'm putting it as a priority and the focus. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm unwavering. Because in my human experience, I am wavering. And I recognize that. It's not my intention to be wavering, but I still notice I'm wavering. I still notice that even though I understand I've given everything all the meaning that it has for me, I can still say things that run contrary to what... I say I know is true. And I'm willing to admit that. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed about it. I am healing my mind about myself, about the world, about life. I'm letting go of the confusion. I'm letting go of the misunderstandings. And so one of the reasons why I love sharing about A Course of Miracles is every time I do, I have more clarity. And that clarity is the most valuable thing in my experience in my life. So recognizing that that clarity, that uh, the awareness of the truth is the most valuable thing in my life, I... Uh, I'm interested in sharing from that perspective. I'm interested in having more of that clarity. So, the miracle is the means, the atonement is the principle, and the healing is the result. To speak of a miracle of healing is to combine two orders of reality inappropriately. So, the two orders of reality are miracles and healing. 
And so healing is the result of being miracle-minded. He says here, healing is not a miracle. The atonement, or the final miracle, is a remedy, and any type of healing is a result. The kind of error to which atonement is applied is irrelevant. So the kind of error to which atonement is is applied is irrelevant. Atonement being unity consciousness. That unity consciousness, awareness of the unity of all life, can be applied to any kind of error. Isn't that good to know? So good to know. And I love this part coming up because it's so clear and so helpful. The kind of error to which atonement is applied is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The atonement applied to any kind of error is helpful. All healing is essentially the release from fear. To undertake this, you cannot be fearful yourself. You do not understand healing because of your own fear. So our belief in separation automatically brings fear. And the awareness of unity automatically heals fear. So fear is the result of believing that we're separate. Every time, in every situation. So accepting the atonement, accepting that there is no separation, never would be, never could be, never has been, that is the antidote. When we're experiencing fear, we're experiencing a sense of lack a sense of limitation, always, always. Could be lack of love, could be lack of prosperity, could be lack of insight, lack of clarity, lack of wisdom, lack of creativity, lack of beauty, lack of freedom. We're experiencing a lack as a direct result of our belief in separation. So the miracle is the means, healing is the result. Miracle is the means, healing is the result. So when we choose to anchor into the truth, to believe the truth, to affirm the truth, to know the truth, we're bringing forth a healing at the level of the mind. Now, in, so that's just paragraph one here. Again, we're in chapter two, section four, healing as release from fear. In paragraph two, he starts to talk about levels. So let's, let's talk about levels here. A major step in the atonement plan is to undo error at all levels. Sickness or not right-mindedness, not right-mindedness, is the result of level confusion because it always entails the belief 
that what is amiss on one level can adversely affect another. We have referred to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion. For all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur. Only the mind is capable of error. The body can act wrongly only when it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, which is a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. All right, so let's, let's look into this. Now, you may have heard me talk about in the past things like spiritual body, etheric body, mental body, emotional body, physical body, and then the circumstances of our life. So we could say that these are levels, mental level, emotional level, physical level. That seems pretty easy to understand. Pretty easy to understand also etheric level. Now, when I speak of the etheric level, I am not quoting the Course. The etheric level is the belief system level. And to me, it's helpful to use that term, the etheric body or the etheric level of our awareness. So a major step in the atonement plan is to undo error at all levels. Sickness or not right-mindedness is the result of level confusion because it always entails the belief that what is amiss on one level can adversely affect another. We have referred to miracles as the means of correcting level confusion, for all mistakes must be corrected at the level on which they occur. Only the mind is capable of error. The body can act wrongly only when it is responding to misthought. So all healing is at the level of the mind is one of the things that Jesus tells us. That is both challenging and comforting to me. So let's break this down because this is so much about the release from fear here. So correction is at the level of the mind because it's at the level of the mind that we are, that everything happens. Everything emanates from that. Everything comes from that. That's where things actually occur at the level of the mind. That's where the miracles are. That's where the miscreation is at the level of the mind. So, when we're experiencing difficulties, what seems like illness, we need to remember the body can act wrongly only when it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, 
produces all physical symptoms. So all physical symptoms come from believing the body cannot create. Or, sorry, believing that the body can create. So certainly in our modern medicine, we do think of the body as creating, that the body is creating cancer or the body is creating dysfunction. The body is having an issue and that is creating the problem, that there's uh, a, let's say, a stroke because there's a blood clot that's made or created by the body. Yet A Course of Miracles is clear and telling us No, everything comes from the mind, not from the body. The body is not a decision maker. The body cannot assess things. So the body cannot say, oh, I like this better than this. It it doesn't operate like that. And for me, what I'm really interested in is being able to recognize that since all healing is at the level of the mind, let me really truly be willing to say, I am not a body. The body is not real. Only the mind is real. Only I am that I am is real. And that the body is nothing to fear. And the mind is nothing to fear. There is nothing to fear. Because only love is real. Let me sit in that place. Only love is real, therefore there is nothing to fear. And any level confusion I have Let it be dissolved and resolved permanently back to the root cause. Let me stand in an awareness of perfect truth and the perfection of my very beingness. I absolutely know that we can have miraculous shifts in our awareness and that it will produce miraculous shifts in the world of form. I'm interested in understanding that further, knowing it, demonstrating it, and supporting others in doing the same. So let's go back to what it says here. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. So here is a place where Jesus is once again completely clear. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can produces all physical symptoms. Not some, but all physical symptoms. So let's look at Where are we thinking that the body can create? That it has a mind of its own. That it has volition. That it is a decider. That it can somehow make things in this world. It seems like it. 
right? I mean, if we just think of our digestive system, it seems like our digestive system is digesting food and taking the food, the the salad we ate, let's say, and turning it into compost. <laughs> you know, it's extracting the nutrition and, and it, it is turning it into um, fertilizer. That's what it seems like it's doing, right? And yes, the body definitely seems to be doing that but does the body have a mind of its own that it can make illness now the the body cannot create and the belief that it can produces all physical symptoms so the belief that the body can create is a fundamental error this is what Jesus is telling us here so let's say I am willing to recognize that the body cannot create. Only the mind can create. Therefore, I do not need to be afraid of my body. I do not need to be worried that my body can do something that is mysterious to me and make me sick. And in a world where we have things like cancer as part of our experience, it's understandable that people are worried that if they ate these things or were exposed to those things that it's going to make cancer. Their body will make cancer out of that. Let's decide to be on the lookout for the beliefs that we have where we're giving the body power, giving the body power to make us happy, to make us feel good, to make us feel bad, to make us feel safe, or to make us feel vulnerable. All right, it's time for me to move into a break here. This is Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles. And we are talking about walking the talk and living the love. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles. Living the love, walking the talk. Welcome back. This is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and in particular, we're talking about a release from fear. And we can have a release from fear. I I, I have to say, I have so much less fear in my experience all the time. It's just fading from my experience, and this is what I wish for everyone who can hear the sound of my voice and beyond. So we can decide, and in fact, let's do, let's decide to recognize that the body cannot create and the belief that it can, that it has powers of its own, 
is a fundamental error. And that fundamental error of attributing creative power to the body is the reason why we have physical symptoms. And so we are calling for a healing at the level of the mind that translates into every area and aspect of our life. Now, in, in the, this, we're still just in paragraph two of this section four in chapter two, where Jesus says, physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion that made magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. So think of the expression mind over matter. Mind over matter. I think of one of the wonderful teachers on this topic is Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy was the founder of Christian Science And she was a student, and we could say maybe a patient, of Phineas Quimby, an amazing, amazing healer who worked entirely at the level of the mind, Uh, although he did also prescribe sometimes herbs or these kinds of things, which were his spiritual direction, as I understand it. Uh, one of the most amazing healers ever, uh, extraordinary man, and he taught Mary Baker Eddy, again, founder of Science of Mind, and she talked about matter quite a bit. So uh, she was born in the 1800s, and she lived to be, I don't know, about 90 years old, I think, and um was a very influential person, and she taught about healing at the level of the mind. And one of the things that she said is, there is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. All is infinite mind, and its infinite manifestation for God is all in all. Spirit is immortal truth. Matter is mortal error. There is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. All is infinite mind. And it's infinite manifestation. For God is all in all. So this is completely in alignment with with what Jesus is telling us in the Course. So this teaching is not new, and of course it is what Jesus taught when he walked the earth in his human experience, Uh, whatever lifetime that was, doesn't matter to me. So physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion that made magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. This error can take two forms. It can be believed that the mind can miscreate in the body. By the way, that the sounds in the background are Bodhi and Sattva, my, my 
puppy and my kitten. So it can be believed that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. Neither is true, right? These are two forms of error. Let's look at these. It can be believed that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. So the body has no control over the mind. None. Zero. Let's not even entertain that thought for one second. How could the body control the mind? Right? Oh, Bodhi's playing a little too rough with sattva, and he let her know. No, thank you. Hmm. So the body has no control over the mind, none, nada, zip. Let's no longer believe that it does. The body does not make us think or feel anything. When something is happening in the body and we have a, let's say, fear reaction, it's important for us to recognize that the body is not doing anything to our mind. Our mind is interpreting things, and that's why we experience the feelings that we have. So it says here, when it is understood that the mind which is the only level of creation, cannot create beyond itself, neither type of confusion need occur. So let's just go back to the beginning here, the last few sentences. Physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion that made magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. So there's no creative ability in matter. The mind is able to control everything in matter. Now, the thing is, is we don't wish to believe that because if we do, if we accept, this is a common theme of mind, if we accept the power of the mind, then we have to accept that Life as we experience it is what we're choosing. That life isn't happening to us. We are not victims of circumstance. That we are choosing what we're experiencing. In other words, we are responsible for what we see, what we feel, what we experience. And that is something that the ego-identified person does not want to do and so for me the pathway of healing is I'm willing to represent or rather I'm willing to recognize that the the body it it represents something it's a projection of the mind it's the projection of the mind that allows me to experience a separate self. And that the body is a tool to help me work at the level of the mind. 
and I can value it for that reason. Paragraph three, only the mind can create because spirit has already been created and the body is a learning device for the mind. Learning devices are not lessons in themselves. Their purpose is merely to facilitate learning. So the body facilitates learning. It is a learning device. Let us remember that this is so. We are not a body. The body is a learning device that facilitates learning for us. The body itself cannot learn something. Only we can learn something. And when we're learning something, we're really remembering it. I find that very helpful to keep in the front of my mind. Jesus says the worst a faulty use of a learning device can do is to fail to facilitate learning. So... Let's not give the body any power. Mm, Think about that. Not giving the body any power. It's interesting, isn't it, to think about how we do give the body power. That we don't feel good And we attribute that to the body. We do feel good, and we attribute that to the body. That gives the body power, doesn't it? We feel weak today, we feel strong today, and it feels related to the body. What if it's not related to the body at all? What if it's only related to the mind? Then we have to accept the power of the mind, the power of our thoughts, Do we wish to do that? Do we wish to accept that matter, which is what the body is, has no power? So many of us have all kinds of lessons related to the body. The body is a learning device for the mind. Learning devices are not lessons in themselves. Their purpose is merely to facilitate learning. So our body is to facilitate us learning. Does that mean that the body decides what we're going to learn? Of course not. No, only the mind. So it says here, And this is paragraph three. The body has no power in itself to introduce actual learning errors. The body, if properly understood, shares the invulnerability of the atonement to two-edged application. Hmm. This is not because the body is a miracle, but because it is not inherently open to misinterpretation. The body is merely part of your experience in the physical world. Its abilities can be and frequently are over-evaluated. However, it is almost impossible to deny its existence in this world. 
Those who do so are engaging in a particularly unworthy form of denial. The term unworthy here applies only that it is not, excuse me, implies only that it is not necessary to protect the mind by denying the unmindful. If one denies this unfortunate aspect of the mind's power, one is also denying the power itself. So we can recognize the body is a learning device and the mind is the one that has the power and that the body does not have power. We can keep our attention on this and we will begin to dissolve the habits of fear. It is perhaps surprising how much fear identification with the body generates. Because when we're identified with the body, we feel particularly vulnerable. Particularly vulnerable. And yet, we're not vulnerable. We're really not. All material means that you accept as remedies for bodily ills are restatements of magic principles. This is the first step in believing that the body makes its own illness. It is a second misstep to attempt to heal it through non-creative agents. It does not follow, however, that the use of such agents for corrective purposes is evil. Sometimes the illness has a sufficiently strong hold over the mind to render a person inaccessible to the atonement. In this case, it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body in which something from the outside is temporarily given healing belief. So this is when we give healing belief to, let's say, a treatment. Now, I do think that we resist recognizing our power to such a degree that we'd rather be sick than recognize the power of the mind. We'd rather be weak than recognize the power of the mind, the power of God within us. We would rather feel frail, feel like the victim of the world, And so to me, the antidote for that is simply willingness. The antidote for almost everything is simply willingness. I love willingness as the end of fear because I'm I'm willing to open my mind. Willingness is all that's required. I'm willing to open my mind to an awareness of the truth. Illness, sickness is a defense against the truth. So the antidote to that is a willingness to accept the truth, to recognize the truth, to embrace the truth. I am willing to embrace the truth about my mind. I am willing to embrace the truth about the body. I am willing to recognize I am not a body. I am willing to 
to recognize I am not the victim of the body. I am willing to recognize that the only power there is is the power of love. Love is what I am, and I am willing to remember this and to remember it about my brothers and sisters as well. I am willing to offer up for healing any resistance or reluctance I have to accepting the truth. And I am grateful and thankful that I can experience a healing at the level of the mind, and it will translate to every aspect of my life. Yes. So, we are grateful Now, in paragraph four here, Jesus says, all material means that you accept as remedies for bodily ills are restatements of magic principles. So medicine, nutrition, all of these things are, uh, if we're seeing them as remedies for bodily ills, are restatements of magic principles. So let's look at this because we're, we're really undoing the root causes of fear here. So thinking that the remedy for bodily ills is something in physical form is akin to realizing or not realizing, thinking, believing that the body makes its own illness. That's what Jesus says here. All material means that you accept as remedies for bodily ills are restatements of magic principles. And this is the first step in believing that the body makes its own illness. It is a second misstep to attempt to heal it through non-creative agents, meaning things in the world of matter. It does not follow, however, that the use of such agents for corrective purposes is evil. So using magic or medicine isn't evil. Sometimes, he says, the illness has a sufficiently strong hold over the mind to render a person temporarily inaccessible to the atonement. In this case, it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body in which something from the outside is temporarily given healing belief. This is because the last thing that can help the non-right-minded or the sick is an increase in fear. So if we believe that the aspirin's going to take away the headache, then it's going to work because we believe it. I, I've mentioned before, I think, that I ha- have a friend that used to work for the pharmaceutical industry and uh, was a pharmaceutical rep for many years And my friend told me that it was an absolute fact that placebos worked at least 30% of the time. At least 30% of the time. Of course. Of course. Now, when a placebo doesn't work, isn't it because the mind cannot accept 
that the healing rejects the healing, feels unworthy of the healing. The big leap here is to recognize that our mind is the mind of God and it's powerful. And that mind over matter is a real thing, that we are not victims of the world. And in fact, we are responsible for what we experience. And there's no need to feel blame or shame about it. It's an adventure. It's a spiritual adventure. And getting rid of all judgment is the answer here to the end of suffering. Because all judgments are attachments and all attachments cause suffering. So sometimes the illness has a sufficiently strong hold over the mind to render a person temporarily inaccessible to the atonement. In this case, it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body in which something from the outside is temporarily given healing belief. So I was talking about this with Karen J. Gardner. And so I... I was saying how I do believe that my flossing, my brushing my teeth, my rinsing my mouth with hydrogen peroxide and these kinds of things is going to aid the healing of my gums. I'm doing these things in the world of form. And I take supplements. I take vitamins. I take herbs. I'm interested in healing nutrition. I do cleanses of the body. In the past, I've done fasting and different kinds of cleanses and anticipating that what will have a healing effect on the body. And it has had, uh, interestingly, it has had a healing effect on my mind in that I am recognizing that I have the power to decide that I'd like to experience healing and I am going to work at all levels. That me working in the world of form helps me at the level of the mind. So, for instance... If I were to feel cluttered in my mind, decluttering my environment would help me. It would help me to declutter my mind, to focus my mind. So what Jesus is saying here is it may be wise to utilize a compromise approach to mind and body in which something from the outside is temporarily given healing belief. So we put the healing belief into the pill. And so he says here then, this is because the last thing that can help the non-right-minded or the sick is an increase in fear. And so if we believe that taking the pill 
will be helpful, that will decrease the fear. The more we can decrease the mental fear and the physical, emotional experience of fear, the more available we are for right-minded thinking. He says, they are already in a fear-weakened state. If they are prematurely exposed to a miracle, they may be precipitated into panic. This is likely to occur when upside-down perception has induced the belief that miracles are frightening. So... To the person whose body identified, ego identified, the idea of shifting thought from ego thought to God thought could be frightening. That's what he's talking about. So in these experiences, we go back to accepting the atonement that there is no separation. Our mind is the mind of God. Our life is the life of God. Our heart is the heart of God. And in this world, our hand is the very hand of God. I cannot tell you how many thousands and thousands of times I've said that to myself. My mind is the mind of God. My heart is the heart of God. My life is the life of God. And in this world, my hand is the very hand of God. Remembering always that I am not separate from God, I am part of God, and so is everyone else. Being willing to remember that, to release the attachment to feeling lack and limitation, expressions of separation, has really benefited me. Now, he says in the next paragraph, the value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. So the value of the unity of all life, the awareness of the unity of all life, does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. In fact, if it is used truly, it will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver. I love this next part. This means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in a language that the recipient can understand without fear. This does not necessarily mean that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication, not to lower it by increasing fear. So remember, the miracle is a shift in consciousness. When we shift out of our attachments to ego thought and we accept God thought. God awareness. We accept the power and the presence of love in our heart and in our mind, active now and forever. There's the healing right there. 
Oh my goodness, it's time for me to wrap it up here. And one of the things I'd like to share as I'm making my exit is that I am offering my self-sabotage challenge again uh, for this summer. We're starting, I believe the date is July 20th. So if you have issues with self-medication and if you have these kinds of body issues and you feel like you're sabotaging yourself, you feel like you're not allowing yourself to be miracle-minded, if you feel like you're distracting yourself with things like alcohol, cigarettes, uh, overeating, uh, over-exercising, working too much, talking and talking on the phone too much, watching television, all of the ways that we can self-medicate and self-sabotage. If you're feeling like you're stuck in, stuck in a loop of unworthiness, then you might find tremendous benefit in joining in our Eliminating My Self-Sabotage Challenge. It's a wonderful experience. People really enjoy it. Wouldn't you like to give up the sense of unworthiness, feeling wrong and bad like a spiritual failure while having fun, while enjoying your experience Of course, my God, I wish I could have taken this course when I was struggling with feeling so awful about my (sighs) self-medication. Let's do this healing together. So check out all the details at jenniferhadley.com. I invite you to come and join us. This is a wonderful opportunity for like-minded souls to do some healing together. All right, I'm going to invite you to place your hand on your heart. Let's heal at the level of the mind here. We are willing to let go of body identification. We are willing to stop seeing ourselves as being limited to the body. We are grateful and thankful to recognize the power of love is in our mind and the healing is now. We are willing to be miracle-minded and to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you for your donations. Thank you for your wonderful reviews. Thank you for your love and support. God bless you. Mwah.